Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Yeah, I still got that deep, very sexy, I know, resonant laryngitis. But I feel okay. That's got to count for something, right? Just a little bit of sinus pressure left. This is the longest freaking cold of all time. I'm so sick of it. Ha. It's not funny at all. We had a trade this morning, and it meant nothing to nobody, to anybody. It meant all the things to nobody and nothing to everybody. Dwayne Dedman was sent from the Miami Heat to the San Antonio Spurs, along with a second-round pick. In exchange for cash considerations, the Heat just trying to get off of Deadman's contract. He will probably not end up on the Spurs at the end of this trade season. Whether that's through an additional trade to a team that just wants a backup center, or whether it's through the buyout market, or whatever. Who cares? LeBron James goes for the record tonight against the Thunder. He needs quite a lot of points to get there, but you know anything's possible. Uh, and Cam Thomas went completely crazy for a second consecutive day, and we've got a card to recap, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. I'm going to push my way through. This will be a little bit shorter than yesterday's show. I selfishly need to start saving my voice, because on Thursday, that's just two damn days from now, we've got our five-hour trade deadline mega, ultra, super fantastic, spectacular There is not a media outlet, I don't think anywhere, that's doing what we're doing on trade deadline Thursday. I think that goes from the top down. Like, I don't think ESPN is doing it. I don't think the big box sites are doing it. I don't think any other fantasy sites are doing it. We are rolling at 7.30 a.m. through the deadline. We'll cut off at 12.30 p.m. This is Pacific time, I should say. So we'll roll a half an hour past the deadline. Make sure we get any of those, you know, last second ones that trickle in. We didn't really have that last year. I don't think we really had it the year before either. There's usually like one or two that the league office is is like watching the fax machine do its thing at at 12 o'clock on the nose. And so they got to like run it through the legal stuff. And then we hear about it at 12.06 out here. Uh, I don't know. That didn't happen last year. We just kept waiting like sitting there with our arms crossed staring watching at twitter and nothing came through at that point uh but i am excited to tell you all that we have the schedule officially for the trade deadline show and i'm actually so excited about it. i kind of want to just tell you guys here at the outset uh i will be joined by these amazing ethos minds steve vidovich our director of content keith cork who uh is one of our heads of the dfs department Corbin Ford, who's been with us for a very long time. He's one of our heads on the reality side for NBA. John Mosales, one of our fantasy writers. Blake Creamer, who hosts our uh, fantasy NHL podcast, interestingly enough, uh, but who actually fancies himself quite good at fantasy basketball as well. Uh, Derek Ball, who many of you know for his weekly pieces here that profiles the upcoming week. He's fantastic at what he does. The great Joe Orico, who's a stud at both baseball and basketball. Brewski, come on, we got Brew, he's going to be with us for the final two hours of the show, the great Red Bauer, our dynasty expert, and Jeremiah Nakorda, who writes our weekly ads piece here at Sports Ethos, so those guys will be with me throughout the five hours, I'm planning on only stepping aside for like maybe 10 minutes in the middle of the show, just so, you know, 
I don't die in the middle of a five-hour trade deadline spectacular. Uh, and that's, again, that's Thursday at 7.30 a.m. That'll run through 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. The page is up. I would say uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the link in the in the description somehow, whether it's during the live YouTube portion of this show that I'm recording right now or if I'm going to get it on the recorded side. I'm going to get the link to the Trade Deadline live show as many places as humanly possible. You guys must go bookmark it. I don't want you getting caught up in life on Thursday morning and then realizing you forgot and, you know, missing the first whatever it is, couple of hours. Have it on your phone in the background. Have it on your computer in the background. Whatever it needs to be. So excited to talk to you guys all on Thursday. Last year, I, I mean, I can't even... Like, I know that there are... I know ESPN has their show and hundreds of thousands of people watch that. We're not in that stratosphere. I get it. But as someone that's been doing these podcasts for a number of years now and doing our trade deadline show for a number of years, last year we had almost 1,000 people watching live at the same time. Uh, And that was like, I mean, people were coming and going. It was bouncing up and down between 800 and 900 and 950 and whatever. But like, I mean, you can see it. Most of these live shows that I'm doing during the week are like 50 or 60 people. A thousand. Ah, oh, that was so cool. I hope we can beat it. I hope we can beat it this year. That's uh, that's my goal. So go go bookmark that. Take a moment here. Make sure you don't miss it with us here on on uh, on Thursday morning. And let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA right now. Big news of the day is. Nothing really. I mean, we well everything I think today is coming out of the box scores from last night. Uh, there were no massive injuries that took place in the uh, the Monday evening situation, so I think we could just kind of float our way through it, focusing heavily on the big picture stuff. Not so much because I don't want to talk about everything else, but because I can't. I just can't talk that much the next two days or I won't make it through Thursday. You guys got to bear with me on this one. Boston beat Detroit 111-99. No big surprises there. Jalen Brown sat this ball game out, and so everybody assumed he was getting traded for Kevin Durant. I really don't think that's happening. It felt like Stephen A. Smith was kind of talking out of his, his rectum, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, if I get that wrong, I get that wrong. I just I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, with no Marcus Smart and no Jalen Brown, no surprise, Derek White, uh, he did a whole lot more. Malcolm Brogdon had a solid ball game. I thought we'd get a few more shots out of Big Al, um, but Big Al was just Big Al, plus 18, just sort of always right spot, right time, and couldn't get his shots to drop in this one. But again, this is the basement. Six boards, three assists, a three-pointer, didn't get his defensive stats, and then in the other games, he'll get you know a steal and a block and three three-pointers, and it all evens out to where he's been all season long, which is like between 70 and 90. So just stop asking about it. I'm not going to say to drop him ever. He's playing 33 minutes as a starting center or power forward in the NBA. I'm not going to tell you to drop him. He's just going to be a quiet roto producer all season long. That's it. Sam Hauser had 15 points. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't bring myself to make an ad there. I know he had five three-pointers and et cetera. It didn't sound like Jalen Brown was going to be out all that long, so I think I'll kindly pass. Killian Hayes played 32 minutes off the bench. Alec Burks only got 19 minutes as a starter. 
I think this is the kind of thing you see for Detroit. I, I thought we might see Burks get big minutes all the way through the deadline, but it's possible that they might now be kind of trying to throttle him down, make sure he doesn't get hurt between today and Thursday, and then they can get some trade value for him because Burks is very much on the block. We know Boyan Bogdanovich, they've said they're totally fine with holding him, uh, and perhaps they are as some kind of steadying veteran presence out there, but also if they can get a first for him, they probably will. What does that mean for everybody else? Well, there's no one that I'm stashing on Detroit. No one on the team has shown themselves to frankly have a good enough fantasy profile to warrant a stash. If we see Killian Hayes move back into the starting lineup, you probably pick him up as a low-end point guard. Sadiq Bey belongs on rosters right now because he's taking a ton of shots off the bench, and that's enough. Jalen Duran belongs on rosters because he's a rebounding menace. Even if they try to keep his minutes a little bit in check, I don't mind. Jaden Ivey, that's your... I mean, he's been a luxury stash pretty much all season long. Uh, playing, but kind of doing more harm than good in nine category formats, unless you're punting a couple of things. And then Isaiah Stewart had 10 and 12 here. He'd been playing better lately. Uh, this was an uglier game for him. Bad percentages, no defensive stats, no three-pointers. I'm on the fence with Stewart. Every time I think that he might be turning a fantasy corner, he goes back kind of into a turtle shell. I wouldn't use a move on him this week in a head-to-head -head format. I probably would stash him on my bench in Roto and just kind of see... Is he coming around? If guys get cleared out, does that help him? Do we ever see Marvin Bagley again? Because that could blow it up as well. It's probably best to just leave that alone. If it's this much work, if you have to think about it this much, it's probably not really worth doing. Cleveland, nothing really there. Washington, Daniel Gafford left early again. Oh, Gafford. You're killing me, man. Th these fantasy lines are so robust. 11 points, 8 boards, 5 of 6 shooting, 3 blocks in only 24 minutes. He probably would have played the last 3 or 4 minutes of the ball game, but he couldn't. He couldn't make it through the end of the ball game. You're killing me, Daniel. You are killing me. On the Roto side, to me, he's a guy that must that belongs on rosters. He's just, you know, the big man upside is too good for him. Uh, no Bradley Beal, no Kyle Kuzma, so that helps Gafford because Porzingis then soaks up some of the power forward minutes that, that Kuzma, and Kuzma would have normally played. It also helps Denny Avdia when both of those guys are out because it opens up basically all the wing minutes and extra usage. I think you roll with Avdia as long as Beal is out. Certainly, if, they're, if Beal and Kuzma are both out, you roll with them, but it sounded like Beal was pretty close. My guess is that you see him in the next ball game. And so then Monte Morris becomes someone you don't need to bother with. I dropped Dillon Wright last week, and I don't feel bad about it. Uh, and then Gafford is the guy I'm holding here, because we've seen he can do it in 25 minutes per game, and it seems like they want to get him there with no Rui Hachimura, but we, we sort of don't know for sure, because he's only made it through two ball games lately. Clippers, a uh, whole lot of nothing here. Marcus Morris got ejected, so you know a couple extra shots went to... You know, like Reggie Jackson, but who cares? Brooklyn is interesting, if only for a night. They play again tonight, the Nets do, and I think we're expected to see the Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith debuts for Brooklyn, which is going to change the way things look a lot. I have no idea what the starting lineup is going to look like for the Brooklyn Nets a week from today because Kevin Durant is probably also going to be back by then. In fact, there was supposed to be a post-game report on KD, but I don't think it actually 
came out, so perhaps we'll hear something more about Durant today. Here's the thing. Royce O'Neal, his minutes are now in a little bit of jeopardy because Dorian Finney-Smith plays the same position basically the same way that Royce does. Edmund Sumner and Cam Thomas, who started in the backcourt for Brooklyn, at least one of those guys is not going to be starting, one would assume, once Spencer Dinwiddie's in town. I would assume that Sumner's the guy that goes to the bench, but I guess we don't know for sure. Thomas is not going to get 29 shots when KD and Dinwiddie are back, but will there still be enough for Cam when it's just Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith and not Kevin Durant? I'm inclined to think... Before we know anything else about what's going on tonight, and, and I reserve the right to change my opinion here if we find out that, you know, who's in and who's out for Brooklyn in the starting lineup and stuff like that, I think you probably see uh, Finney Smith either come off the bench or start alongside Royce O'Neal and bump Joe Harris, but they probably want a little bit more floor spacing. It's hard to say. I'm fairly certain Spencer Dinwiddie is going to start immediately he has a familiarity with the organization at the very least even if you know a lot of the personnel has changed and you probably see a cam thomas spencer dinwiddie backcourt and those guys pretty much take all of the shots in this game tonight so i still think you can start cam for one more day claxton obviously he's been amazing this year sumner i think i i don't think that i would start tonight in a games cap format if you already have him on the head-to-head side you probably just ride it out through the deadline because you don't want to use any roster moves to get off of someone if there isn't someone super obvious to pick up on the other side of that which there kind of isn't uh but then on the finney smith royce o'neill stuff i i I honestly have no idea how that whole thing's going to shake out and it's quite possible that one of those two guys isn't on the nets two days from today you know, like, anyway, that's where I am with Brooklyn. Chicago, this was a blowout. Uh, Andre Drummond actually played well even before the blowout. He was part of the lineups that were creating the blowout. I don't think this is going to change the rotations at all in Chicago, but he had a big ball game, so you need to at least kind of, like, point at it and say, look at that shiny thing. I'm more interested on the Spurs side of this. Zach Collins only got 13 minutes. They they took the bubble wrap off of Jakob Pertle, interestingly enough, probably because... Zach Collins was being picked up, thrown in the air, spun around, and then devoured by Vooch and Drummond. So Pirtle had a good ball game, 14-9 with a couple of blocks. You know, he's he's very likely to get moved to the deadline. I think you kind of hope that he gets moved because where he goes, that team would probably give him starters minutes. You know, he's going to cost somebody a first-round pick. I don't think that a team's going to give up a first to get a guy they're going to play, you know, 20 minutes off the bench. That feels improbable second round picks that type of stuff happens all the time first rounders teams don't usually give up a first unless they're getting somebody back that they want to play a bunch but again this is you know this is why i fear the zach collins stuff a little bit even if he gets the starting job there's no guarantee he gets all the minutes isaiah roby chewed up a bunch of center minutes we've seen charles bassey do it in the past i think he's with their g league team right now uh and and that's why collins is a little bit iffy because he does need the full 27-plus minutes to hit fantasy value. He needs them all. That's why we lean like towards a guy like a Mark Williams, because he really only needs like 23 to hit fantasy value, maybe less. Uh, Josh Richardson, when he starts, I will start him. 
I picked up Richardson in a couple of roto spots. I didn't pick him up in head-to-head because I'm fairly certain he's going to get moved, and then he'll probably have to miss a game or two because of said trade. And then wherever he goes, there's no guarantee that he has this type of role. So that was more of a games cap play, and I'm happy about it. He got me four steals. That was great. And a three-pointer. Digging it. I mean, you know, I wouldn't complain if he got a rebound, but look, that's fine. Malachi Branham is the other question mark, at least on the Spurs side. I think I don't fully trust his roto game. The shame there is that he actually would make sense as a head-to-head grab if we knew Trey Jones was going to be out for the whole week, but we sort of don't. And then also, again, you don't want to use your moves early because Branham is not a rest-of-season play. Trey Jones will come back at some point here, and he's the guy who gets to be the starting point guard. Sacramento-Houston was largely devoid of fantasy stuff. The Kings blew out the Rockets. The Rockets coach, uh, Steven Silas, had a meltdown after the game that his team doesn't guard anybody, which they don't. And that's top to bottom. Eric Gordon, I'm sure, would love to get himself out of town. He should be soon. K.J. Martin had one of his better ball games. And the problem with K.J. is that he doesn't get as many defensive stats as it seems like someone of his athleticism should. It's like the, that's been the Brandon Ingram thing for so long. These guys that, like, with Ingram, his arms are, I think his wingspan is 45 feet. And yet he gets almost no steals or blocks. K.J. Martin is this high fly act who can do everything. But he doesn't get any steals or blocks. He also misses a lot of free throws. So I, Martin, for me, is, a, again, a guy you probably lean more into on the head-to-head side if you're a punt free throw team or, like, a punt defensive stats team uh, or points league, frankly. He's been very good while Kevin Porter Jr. has been out. He's been a terrific points league option. He potentially could be a starter the rest of the year if they move Eric Gordon and nobody else. He's also on the block. We've heard K.J. Martin is wanted out of Houston as well. Jay Sean Tate, would he slide into those minutes? Would Tari Eason slide into those minutes? Probably a little bit of both. Eason's the guy you're holding in the hopes that a forward gets traded at the deadline for the Rockets. Eric Gordon moving by himself would not be enough to get Eason up to like 26, 27 minutes. Uh, he intermittently plays 23 to 25, and we've seen that's actually enough for Atari on the fantasy profile side. But, you know, his upside is so gigantic that you kind of, at this point, need to just hang on through Thursday and hope they move a forward. Or two guys. That would be special. Let's keep shuffling along. Dallas, these were the zombie Mavericks. Jaden Hardy had 29. Reggie Bullock had five defensive stats. Josh Green also had 29. Dwight Powell had a double-double. Christian Wood is working his way back into form. He'll... His minutes will ramp up here very shortly. Uh, but Dallas plays tomorrow. Luka is, I not, I don't believe Luka is expected to play in the Mavericks' next ball game. Uh, but Kyrie Irving is. And so immediately you're going to see a bunch of usage shift to Kyrie. In the very short term, Josh Green probably holds 12-team value. While either Luka or Kyrie or both aren't playing, he definitely does, uh, when it's one or the other, he probably hits 12-teamers. And then when both are healthy, I don't think anybody on that team has 12-team value besides the two primary ball handlers and Christian Wood. That'll be a three-horse situation once Luka, Kyrie, and Wood are all playing full starters minutes together. 
you might still get 14 or 16 team stuff out of Green or Tim Hardaway or Reggie Bullock or whatever, but I don't know that it's worth it. Uh, Green probably makes sense as a games cap. Like, basically, if you're not using a weekly move, I think I would pick him up for tomorrow. Uh, but I don't know that I would have the stones to start him in a games cap after we see Luka and Kyrie back. But, I mean, maybe Luka misses the rest of the week. So you might get a couple of games out of Green to that end. Utah just did not come out ready. I think Theo Pinson, isn't he one of the Mavs' assistant coaches now? Or is he a technical... I don't know what the hell he does for Dallas. Uh, he said the Jazz... He tweeted that the Jazz didn't come out on the court until like 12 minutes before the game started. And the Mavs were like, are you kidding me? You're not going to take this game seriously because we don't have Luka or Kyrie? And then they waxed him. Utah was just... They did not come ready to play. Embarrassing effort, frankly, by the Jazz. But, you know, as someone who's rooting for the Lakers to sneak into a play-in spot, I'm perfectly fine with other bad Western Conference teams... Uh, not paying attention and getting pantsed by a D-League squad. Sorry, G-League squad now. Uh, so the Jazz fell under 500 for... Jeez, that might be the first time since... Is that all year? The first time they've been under 500? They are still the 10 seed. They're half game up on the Blazers, a game up on the Thunder, and a game and a half up on the Lakers. That's a battle going on right now, folks. There's a battle going on for, uh, and there's been a little bit of a separation. You know, the Warriors are two games over, Suns are three games over, and they're getting Booker back, and now the Mavericks got Kyrie. So it does feel like the top six are about to squeeze away from the 7, 8, 9, 10. I think you're going to have a play-in battle going on, where the Wolves have been hot lately, but we've seen how they can run hot and cold. The Warriors just lost Steph, and they won, to their credit, but it was against the Thunder, another team fighting in that same pocket. Whatever. Uh, we're hearing talks that the Jazz uh, and Lakers have discussed Conley, Beasley, and Vanderbilt for Russell Westbrook. Conley would still get plenty to do in L.A. Uh, if he was alongside LeBron and AD, I think he would pretty much have the same role he has here, which is running a second unit. Probably shoots more, actually, in Los Angeles. Beasley, uh, he would not be an ad in such a spot. And Vanderbilt, who was hurt for this ballgame, he would also not be an ad. And it's possible the Lakers end up, they might try to move him along somewhere else because I don't even know where the hell they would play Jared Vanderbilt in Los Angeles. They'd be jammed in behind uh, AD and Thomas Bryant. He'd play ahead of Winnie and Gabriel, but, I mean, that's a lot. Anyway, uh, Walker Kessler, there's no big news out of the Jazz. Kelly Olynyk's up to basically starters minutes now, so he, you know he should be back on rosters. It's probably the only real note on the Jazz from this very ball game. But in terms of other things that could happen, that's just stuff to look out for. My thought, same thing as I said yesterday. Oh, that was the player. It was Colin Sexton. That was who I said on yesterday's podcast as the guy you want to keep your finger over the button on. If the Jazz make that trade, there's almost no way they hold on to Russ. Maybe they pick up somebody else in that deal from the Lakers. I doubt it. I mean, because they want to get off the money that's owed to Conley next year in particular. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't... That would that would immediately free up Colin Sexton. So he's a really interesting, actually, trade deadline stash if the Jazz go that route. Uh, and then they sort of, to, to a certain degree, that probably pushes them out of the play-in conversation. So they got a lot of questions to answer in Utah. They've been uh, pretty bad 
not like not terrible, but like pretty bad after that incredibly hot start. They cannot win on the road to save their lives. Uh, and then they lost at home in this one. That's what made it particularly rough. Thermonuclear Clay Thompson got the Warriors over the Thunder. He had 42 points, 12 threes. I mean, there's there are still very few things that bring me as much fantasy or even just regular, screw fantasy, regular basketball joy as watching ultra-hot Clay Thompson. He doesn't dribble the basketball, ever. It's just pass, boom, 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 boom. He's just gunning. And there's nothing anybody can do. They can put gigantic defenders all the way around him. If he gets even an inch of space, it's going down. This is not going to happen every single ball game, but it does bring into focus, I think, the fact that Clay has quietly been really good after a brutal first month of the season. First month, he was bad. Since then, he's been top 50 the rest of the year. I know he takes his days off for rest, but you knew that coming into the season. So if you drafted him, you that was part of the package. The... Um, the actual fantasy notes on this ball game, Dante DiVincenzo, 14-4-7, he's the guy that we're keeping an eye on because he has been, I used the term on Twitter last night, I'll use it here on the podcast, he's been kind of nuzzling up against fantasy value even while the Warriors have been healthy, kind of snuggling it almost. It's like trying to get in tight with fantasy value. He had value when Wiggins and Curry were out. Wiggins is back now. Curry is out. Is there enough for DiVincenzo in this particular situation? I'm inclined to say that head-to-head, he's probably worth a move. Honestly, I, even on trade deadline week, because Curry's going to be out probably a month. Uh, and there's almost no way that Dante's worse than like 125 with Curry out. The question is more so on the Roto Games Cap side. Is he going to be like a 90 or better range guy? And I'm leaning towards no, but it's really close. He's like right on the razor's edge with that stuff. Can he hit enough threes and get enough steals consistently to be top 90 range while Steph is hurt? It's so close. It's a coin flip for me. So if you wanted to do it, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I wouldn't talk you out of it. If you don't want to do it, I don't think I'd talk you into it. I know, take a stand, Dan, but I don't really have one on this. Uh, Shea was not superhuman, so the Thunder lost, because pretty much that's how they win, is when Shea Gilgis-Alexander is uh, a, a freight train, and he was just a regular little train in this ballgame. Aaron Wiggins had a better game. Go figure. Uh... Jalen Williams had four defensive stats, but his, the rest of his stuff was not so great. Um, he's still startable to me as long as, at least as long as Robinson Earl and Pokashevsky are out. Uh, and then we can kind of reassess when they come back. It might not impact him at all. We may find out, but it also still might. Milwaukee has Chris Middleton back, and lo and behold, they're a better ball club because of it. Middleton was pretty good. He got up to close to 22 minutes. I think we can start him now. It seems like by their next ball game, he'll probably be at 23 or 24, which was kind of my original target for him anyway. Uh, Brooke Lopez had a much better ball game here. He'd been kind of quieting down a little bit. Pat Connaughton has done a nice job filling in for Bobby Portis. He makes sense more on the head-to-head than the Roto side. I have Connaughton in our 30-deep industry league, which you know, that's working out for me right now because I 
badly need guys to pick up the slack with Kelly Oubre and Kevin Durant and Justice Winslow and Porzingis for a little bit and everybody on the shelf. But I, you know what you're going to get with Connaughton. It's not going to be a, a game-changing fantasy line. It's going to be fine. Sometimes fine is good. wonder if Portland does anything at the deadline. We've heard Josh Hart's name on the block. He actually played okay in this one. 14-8, and eight, hit a couple of three-pointers even. I still like Hart. I hope he ends up in a place where he gets a an equally decent role. But, you know, who knows? Drew Eubanks got up to 25 and a half minutes in this one. Trendon Watford was much worse. We figured that as Eubanks' back got better, he would start to see more of the Lions share at center. Uh, the only thing that missing from Eubanks' line here was a steal or a block. This is basically what you were hoping for. 10 points, he didn't get the rebounds, but he got assists for whatever reason. 5 of 9 shooting, that'll work. Uh, and then you just hope for a block or two. Or two defensive stats. That's kind of what you're targeting here. One and a half to two. If you picked up Eubanks, continue to have Drew Eubanks. Let's take a very, very quick uh, look at the Tuesday evening card. Although, you know, I, I hesitate a little bit on the Tuesday evening card, if only because I, I kind of don't want you guys streaming... Uh, I don't, I know, you know, maybe you have five or six weekly moves, so it's a little bit easier to make the call and, and you can stream a little bit easier, but I just, I still think that you ought to hold on to him. In any event, um, New York streaming options there, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein, he's been playing better here lately. Emmanuel quickly has been okay. That's less robust. Orlando, nothing. Atlanta, I'm assuming Trey Young is back, so nothing there really. New Orleans, We've seen Trey Murphy's been really good here lately. Um, Herb Jones probably doesn't quite make the cut for me with Ingram likely to be back for this ballgame after resting on the back-to-back. Phoenix, Devin Booker coming back for this one, so no streaming options there, but that's good news. We get a star back in the mix. Brooklyn, Cam Thomas, I think probably continues to hold value for at least one more ballgame here, maybe until Kevin Durant comes back, but we'll kind of see what they do with their guys besides him. Chicago, nothing. Memphis, just keep an eye on the injury report. It seems like against a giant Chicago front line, you'll probably see plenty of Xavier Tillman in this ballgame, so he's likely streamable. uh, I don't think Brandon Clark gets to do much in this one, but I guess we'll see. Minnesota, let's hope slow-mo plays. Denver, maybe Bruce Brown if anybody sits in the starting lineup. Oklahoma City, meh. Lakers, meh. I mean, other than LeBron, LeBron is obviously the huge story in there in trying to break the record. But you know, from a is there any fantasy angle I'm looking at in LA? Nah. All right, my voice is tired. See, we kept this thing around 35 minutes or so on the recorded side. Hey, to my recorded podcast listeners, first of all, love you lots. Second of all, follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D A N B E S B R I S. To everybody, right now. Please keep reaching out if you want to cover a team. And when I say cover them, I don't mean fantasy. I mean, like, be a beat reporter on a team, but do it as a podcaster. It's a lot of fun. I actually ran our Lakers show for a couple of years back when it first started. It's a blast. You combine that with, you know, tweeting about the team and interacting with people in that in that team's media space and grow something special. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Uh, and that's basketball, football, baseball, hockey, whatever. If you got a team that you are super passionate about, that you think you can cover them without a ton of bias, 
Hit me. You can even put it in the YouTube chat if you're watching live right now. I'll see you. At some point, I'll see it. Okay, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, to my recorded listeners, I will talk to you first thing Wednesday morning. And, uh, yeah, let's go back to saving my voice because Thursday is going to be crazy. I definitely, even if I don't see you on Wednesday, I expect, I insist that I see you on Thursday. All right, have a great one, everybody. Bye.